What happens when your worst fear becomes your reality? Hi, I'm Brent Cassidy. Welcome to the Nightmare Success in and out podcast, where we explore how to overcome your fears and nightmares to set yourself free. We're going to be exploring this topic with guys I was in Leavenworth with. We're going to talk about life before prison, life in prison, and life out of prison. These stories can be inspiring, sometimes sad. There's some humor, but hopefully you can come away with a nugget of something that will help you knock down some of the prisons you've built up in your own mind. Folks, today my guest is my man, Eric Ross. What's up? <laughs> How are you doing, man? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. good. We're doing this early, so I, I hope yeah. you, you, I'm, drink, I'm feeding you a Diet Mountain Dew. So. I know. This used to be my... <laughs> Your go-to? Yeah. Yeah, until I started drinking coffee, which I actually didn't start drinking coffee till I went to prison. So That's odd, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He formed new habits there, right? Because coffee really wasn't easy to come by in prison, really. <laughs> no, no, no. But it was like the only thing that you could get your hands on that was legal and still uh, changed your, your mindset a little well, bit. You know? And, you know, we got to drink Diet Mountain Dew at the golf course. Mm. Um. Oh, yeah. That was a good thing. We yeah. got Diane yeah. Mountain Dew, warm chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, remember when I got in Katie. trouble for giving the, the fountain drinks to the other guys that worked? And yeah. I, was, I was putting everybody's jobs at, left, at yeah. Jeopardy because yeah. I, was, I was giving. I was like the fountain drink salesman. You know? Well, for those who don't know, we were, uh, Eric and I both, there was 425 inmates at Leavenworth, and we were one of the five lucky ones that got to work at Fort Leavenworth Golf Course. It was, what, about maybe a couple miles away? Yeah, yeah, that was It was that nice. Was awesome. Yeah, that was like an answer to prayer yeah. for me. <laughs> I mean, I think all oh, it was literally, we left prison, Yeah, went to work on a golf course. Guys treated us like normal guys, mm -hmm. uh, Mike and Drew, uh, the superintendent and the assistant superintendent. We got our own lockers there, and then we got to eat bowling alley, menu food every day yeah so and then we just come back to prison yeah around 3 yeah, 30 yeah, yeah, it's yeah. time to go back to prison yeah. guys yeah that was awesome really weird deal that really helped me get in shape at the end there because the, all i used to just get the grilled chicken patties yeah and that's how i got down to the nine percent body fat when i went home i was like that that, that really helped well oh, i was doing the intermittent fasting before that was really called intermittent fasting because i didn't like to go to the chow hall after we got back and deal with that whole line and everything. So I would just eat a ton of bowling alley food at lunchtime <laughs> and that'd be it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the problem was before I worked in the golf course, I worked in the paint shop Yeah. and unfortunately I painted the kitchen at Leavenworth and, and this was, you know, this is a few years in, I finally saw behind the scenes what was going on in the kitchen. And literally after I worked <laughs> in the kitchen and painted in there, I didn't go back to the chow hall for like a week because I was depressed. Now you knew. I knew, man. There was well, so many cockroaches. Oh, it God. was terrible. I was like, I, I had to spend some time processing. Like, I've been eating cockroaches. Like, it's impossible oh. for there to be that many cockroaches in there. And not have eaten some. And I'm sorry I'm sharing this with you now, but oh, you, no, you definitely I, ate them. We <laughs> ate some cockroaches. We ate cockroaches. There it's were true. gigantic bowls yeah. that they, they cooked out of. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. And, yeah. then the, and then I went to the place in the front, and I was like telling them, like, look, 
I, you know, you you go, you know, it's funny how we have to lose ourselves there because I'm going to the counselor. I don't remember who it was. I'm like, there's cockroaches in there. Like, you guys have this. They're like, it's unavoidable. It's just because care. the building's so old. I was like, man, it's like, oh, well, just have to accept it. Just understand that a cockroach can be eaten <laughs> and it's not that bad. Yeah, I just finally came to the point. I'm like, well, I've been eating them for years and I'm fine. So I might as well just keep, keep eating, eating them. them. <laughs> oh, well, you know, so... Oh man! So Eric, um, are you are you from originally from St. Louis? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So tell me what what little Eric Ross? Where did Eric, little Eric Ross grow up, and what was <laughs> little Eric Ross doing back in the day? Well, it's funny because I I grew up in St. Louis, but you know, whenever I want people to think I'm tough, I always tell them I was born in Jennings. You know what I mean? So, nice. but I, yeah. I lived in Jennings for like two years, <laughs> yeah. you know, like the first two years of my life. I don't remember it. I don't, I didn't experience it. And it probably wasn't like it is now back then, you know, but my parents uh, didn't have very much money. So I grew up, I grew up, uh, we, they moved from Jennings to Bridgeton, like okay. by Northwest Plaza mm-hmm. off Fifi road there. And so I grew up in Bridgeton. I went to Pattonville high school and, um, Big high school. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Well, at first I went, I started out in private school. And then I remember like it, when I was like 11 or so, like I started hanging out with kids in the subdivision. And and uh, and I was just like, man, I want to go to private or public school. I want to mm-hmm. get on the bus and be cool like the rest of these kids. Yeah. And not be like the weirdo that's yeah, going the, to the church. the weirdo private kid. Yeah, the yeah. weirdo private kid. So I started going to public school in fifth grade. And then, uh, yeah, I ended up in, in uh, at Pattonville. So... So that was that. And then I, you know, and then high school good. Then my, yeah, it was, it was all right. You know, it was, you know, I grew up, so I grew up, my, my mom was the Sunday school teacher at church. So I was, I was in church a lot, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, but I wasn't like, I wasn't a good kid though. You know, like I was getting spanked a lot. I was really rebellious. And I remember like one time and, and, you know, when I was younger, I had like taken money out of the ties thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like terrible. Like, like I, and then I remember once I was in this Royal Rangers thing and I remember like, I knew where they put the money and I was at church a lot. So like I broke into this locker. <laughs> and so I remember like, it's funny, like looking back, I was like, man, I was manipulated. You like, th- like you were thinking, that I was way thinking that way, kid. like criminal minded back then as even a child. And but it's it's good for me now having like because now that I have two kids and I see like Ella and Jeremiah mm-hmm. and I'm like well they're kind of we're like kind of born that way mm-hmm. like naturally mm-hmm. we're not like the greatest people you know so well, I think everybody's got their own stuff right? yeah 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 so so I grew up like that and and but so when I went to high school I remember you know I just I I still had like that Christian background where I wasn't like doing things. I remember one time I read in my, my yearbook, like this kid signed my yearbook and he was like, Oh, you're pretty cool. Even though you only say shoot or darn, you know Uh, what I mean? So it was like, but then at some point I had gotten picked on a little bit and, and maybe my mindset, you know, just paranoia of how other people were thinking about me. Mm -hmm. They probably didn't even really perceive me the way that I thought. It was just the way you were thinking. It was the way that I thought they perceived me. Like I wasn't cool or Mm -hmm. so popular. So, uh, at some point my parents moved, um, to St. Charles my senior year and then I just made this decision I'm like you know what I'm gonna be popular and cool and mm-hmm. like the rest of these guys that I kind of thought were the most popular and cool yeah. I was like I'm gonna be like them you know so then when I transferred schools I just kind of changed in my persona and and started acting more like these other guys so you really just took on their persona what yeah. you thought was cool yeah what 
you thought made them popular. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't being myself. I was being what I wanted to be. Yeah. I wanted to be popular and, and cool. Well, I think that probably happens a lot with kids. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, especially nowadays when you've got all the social media out there and everybody's posting what you're supposed to be and where right. you're supposed to be and this is the best place to be and this is what you're supposed to wear when you're supposed to be there. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on kids. There's always been a lot of pressure on kids, but I think nowadays it's even worse with, yeah. with what kids have to deal with. with well, Instagram, especially whatever. if they're, you know, asking them if they're a boy or a girl. I mean, yeah, like, like, right. like back then, I'd rather have the pressure we had. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, anyways, so sorry. So you got uh, into St. Charles. You started being cool. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened then? So what happened was <laughs> I barely graduated high school, you know. Uh-huh. I was in the, a work program where I was going to school the first part of the day, and then I would get to leave the second part of the day. Well, I failed that class, and then they weren't even letting me do that program anymore the second half what, of the year. Like, what was the work program? Like, what would you do? Was it I volunteer was working, work? I was working at Quick Trip. Okay. It was just, like, preparing you for... Oh, just prepare to get... When yeah. You, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like... I got you. I had enough credits. Yeah. Because I guess from going from Pattonville to there... I think I re- required more credits there than there. Yeah. So I had a ton of credits, so I did, you know, so it didn't really matter. But I, I failed all my classes. I started skipping school. I, you know, to be cool, you know, I, I, I ended up getting like fake IDs. I, yeah. I started drinking and partying and going out and you know starting fights and just doing whatever. Did it work? I mean, were you popular? I mean, not really. <laughs> no, in my own mind, yeah. I was a legend in my own mind. All you right. know, so okay. but like I, well, it was hard because I. In that process, I, I had a I got a Mustang, a GT, you know, mm-hmm. and I was driving around. I was people thought, mm-hmm. you know, like they're looking at me like I'm this spoiled rich kid. Mm-hmm. And like I remember, I was kind of fight I, with this guy Jared McCarthy because he was like, "Oh, you're just a spoiled." I'm like, "No, I pay for this car. I work yeah. for it," you know. But um, so I I got in a I went to this party one time with my buddy James, and there was so many people at this party, and you know, I got had drank a bunch of beer and ice house, you know, and. And we got drunk, and then we left this party, and there was, like, a pinball machine. Like, I hit, like, 11 cars because there was just – it wasn't like I totaled every car, but I just, just – to hit. get out of there, like, I hit – and I accidentally backed in and pinned one guy between two cars and almost broke his leg. <laughs> like, it was intense. So, after that, I couldn't be popular at that school no, anymore. That, you know what I'm saying? That was probably – Yeah, that was the end, like, yeah. of my popularity there. Yeah. So, so, then I just – started skipping school all the time. I had the fake IDs. I started drinking like even mm-hmm. early on in, in the day and going to p- other people's houses and, and drinking and, and just hanging out and just complete foolishness, you mm-hmm. know? So, and then I almost didn't graduate. I wasn't going to graduate, but one of my teachers, he actually was from Pattonville and I had an F and I was failing. I was going to have to be a super senior the next year. And I cried in front of him. I'm like, dude, don't, Please don't fail me. All you got to do is give me a D, man. Don't do this to me. I broke down in tears in front of him, and he ended up passing me. He did pass me. <laughs> yeah, he did pass me, so I made it, you know. And so so when you were getting into drinking and 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 uh, not going to sk- skipping school, did you venture into drugs? Uh, you know, it's funny because I, I had always said, like, oh, I'll never do cocaine. I'll never do this. And, mm-hmm. and I still had, like, going to church, and, mm-hmm. and I had faith. I had faith in like Jesus and, and, and God, but I just, I didn't, I didn't understand that, you know, if you have faith, you gotta, there's action required. Mm-hmm. Like I was just, I just believed and I was blaspheming God's name because I, 
you know, mm-hmm. like most Christians who believe in God, but then don't do anything that he says. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's pretty much how my faith was. And so I was like a virgin still. And so I was like making these justifications in my mind. I was like, well, you know, I'm drinking and doing this crazy stuff, but at least I'm still a virgin. Mm-hmm. So and I'd be like, oh, I'll never do cocaine. But then like eventually I was out at a party around 19 or 20 and I did some cocaine and and uh, and then I'd be like, oh, well, I'm still a virgin. You know what I mean? Like I justified like these crazy justifications, yeah. you know what I mean? And really more on the spiritual aspect of mm-hmm. things, you know, because my mindset was thinking about God still in the back of my mind. Like mm-hmm. what's, you know, I don't want to go to hell. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, I want to have fun on earth, but I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. You know what it's I mean? It's like That's, somebody sitting on your shoulder. Right, yeah. right, right. So so I had that 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 kind of going on. And then, you know, to get to where how I ended up in prison. So I, I made all these tiny small decisions, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, you know, like we learn about in our day, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And those seemingly unimportant decisions, you know, just eventually break down your conscience to where you're like, okay, like here we are, you know? And then eventually, you know, eventually I lost my virginity and, and I'm like, all right. And then it was all, just all over. All hell breaks loose, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, so I was working at this place, Magellan Behavioral Health, and I had started going to college. I had a political science major. I wanted to be the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, uh, this was, you know, I set high goals, you know, so, yeah. but <laughs> pretty but, high. yeah, that's a high goal. I a lot think. of people have political science degrees. Never think of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was my, I was, that was my mindset. Yeah. But then as, as I was in there, I got a DWI, uh, when I was 19 and I was like, and actually that's how I got this scar on my head right here. I that's hit, a nice scar. Yeah. I hit a parked kind car. Kind of a badass scar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I hit a parked car and, uh, I had had a party at my parents' house and, I had all these people over there, but then I was like, I heard about another party and like these girls had like mm-hmm. wanted me to come over there. And I was like, all right. And I kicked everybody out of my parents' house and I went to another party and, um, I hit a parked car on my way there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So anyway, so, and I got my first DWI and, um, at that time I had been working at this place, Magellan Behavioral Health. Um, it's a pretty big insurance company for like, um, psychiatric, mm-hmm. uh, insurance. Anyway, so I was working there, and at that time, I had been kind of, you know, and my group of friends, like all the people I was hanging out with, like people from my baseball team, you know, I didn't have too many friends from the high school, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I had a few friends still from Pattonville, um, but majority of my friends were just oddball friends here and there, and I'm hanging out with them, you know, smoking, drinking every day, pretty much, just going to parties at Omsel and whatever, and it wasn't, it wasn't like I was a drug, it was just like I was a... You were just hanging. I was just a party i would just yeah. like to party every day you know so um and so there I'm, were a group of people that like to do the same thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean and it wasn't t- like you were by yourself right right and typically that's i mean i feel like that's what majority of people that age are doing yeah but you know at least the unsuccessful ones <laughs> you know well no, no i'd say from 18 to 22 there's an awful lot of kids that are trying to find their way in college uh you know because it's their first time out and you've got to then figure out because you you lose a lot of freshmen because that's all they do is yeah, party right but yeah you have to balance out what what's this social life that i've basically free as a whatever i want to do and then i've got these responsibilities i got to be at class tomorrow yeah yeah but you've only got to go to like two or three classes you got the rest of the day so what do you do do you study or do you just start partying more yeah yeah well and the problem is when you're that age you're not thinking about the future all no you th- are you thinking about is that day or right. that tomorrow yeah. you know what i mean you're not you're not weighing right. the risk versus the reward or, or anything <laughs> that's what we need to start teaching people at a young age like really implementing like look future these decisions that you're making right now are really going to affect your future you know so 
Um, and shoot, I mean, I'm still suffering the consequences from my DWIs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been 20, almost 20 years since I got a DWI. And wow. they, and I still don't have a driver's license because of it. You know? Wow. So, but... But anyway, so I started working at this place, Magellan Behavioral Health, and there, and I just have to tell this side because there was this this bigger black girl that worked there, and and me and her started like kind of talking, and she would, you know, we would trade CDs, and mm-hmm. and I was just doing my thing at this job, and I was like one of the only guys that worked there. It was mm-hmm. it was an odd job for me, and and I was just having fun. But anyway, she invited me to go to a party, and so I ended up going to this party um, with her. And I took some of my friends, and I was like, you know, yeah, I'll go hang out. But we went, and, like, we were the only white guys there. You know, my friends were scared, you yeah. know. But I I was having fun, you yeah. know what I mean? Because I was always, like, I yeah. never really. Well, you knew her. You yeah, knew I knew her. Yeah. Well, and I didn't, I was not really smart enough to be yeah. afraid. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, whatever. And yeah. and those people saw that in me, that I was mm-hmm. not afraid and not, not really racist at all. Never really even been that way. But mm-hmm. um, so I was just hanging out and having fun and. And I started hanging out with those guys. And they were, you know, they were involved in gangs. It was like a, a gang thing, you know. Okay. So And so I started so I started hanging out with these guys. And, uh, you know, they were into selling cocaine and, and, um, and just that lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, the, that uh, criminal lifestyle of, of, like, for real criminals lifestyle. Like, like, they had uncles that had been, like, self-made millionaires in the drug game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So... And that was their their aspiration. And I, you know, and I'm like a typical white guy, you know what I mean? Like dressed from the buckle, whatever. And, but I'm hanging out with these guys and my my mentality started, I was drawn to that. Well, and they're like, you know, like, look at me wrong. We're going to fight. And I was already trying to be mm-hmm. the tough guy anyways. So, uh, and that probably drew them to me where I was not really being myself, but being this person who's mm-hmm. tough and what, whatever, you know. So, so we started hanging out. And, and it was really just exhilarating for me because it was like a, a shift of like, I was still hanging out with my friends and stuff, but then I would start hanging out with these guys and it was exciting, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, I'm kind going, of an adrenaline rush. Oh, yeah. I was like, you know, I'm going and, and uh, hanging out with these guys and, you know, they'd be selling crack to people. I, you know, seeing guns get pulled on people, yeah. just crazy stuff, you know? So I was in a drive by one time, like, 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 not like a real, yeah. but like the, the, I was in the car looking for people and a gun did get shot at a house, you know? And I'm like, just a white guy. Like, how did I end up in these situations? Well, did you think, did you think Eric that, Oh my God, I've gone too far. Or were you like, no, no, I want to go farther. Like, well, I was an idiot. You know what I mean? Like I remember one time, uh, we were at this house on the north side. Well, and there was also this aspect, like, where I'm, re- I, I, lo- I realize it now, but, like, these guys never had a white friend before either. Mm-hmm. And I realize it now because, like, there was times where it was like we were learning this relationship together um, because they would take me with them places. And, like, there was times where I had gotten arrested. You know, they, they would pull us over, and the cops, like, arrested me. Mm-hmm. And they would be like, oh, sir, you got a warrant off your arrest. And I'm sitting in the back. I'm like, I don't have a warrant off for my arrest. And then... You know, they, they got me in the car, and they'd be like, are you okay? You know what I mean? Like, they thought I got kidnapped mm-hmm. or something, you know? And I was, like, had been pre-coached what to say before they even, you know. And I'd be like, yeah, no, we were playing basketball at the park. And mm-hmm. they'd be like, you were playing basketball in that? And I'd be like, man, I wasn't playing. I'm white. I was just watching. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So so it was – so there was that intent. And then they started hiding me in the back seat mm-hmm. anytime we would go on the north side. So I remember one time on the north side there was, like – it was the drug house, and I'm there – and then they think somebody's trying to come rob the drug house. And I'm outside, 
And they're like, this one guy's pulling out his gun and cocking his gun. And, and then I'm like, where's my gun? I need a gun too. Like, I shouldn't be the only one here without a gun. You know, so I was just, I don't know. It was just, I was, I was retarded, mm -hmm. you know? So, and, and that was like cool to me, you know, like, I don't know if you ever watched that movie Face Off. Yeah. With Nicholas Cage. Yeah, when they actually take yeah. their faces off yeah, and yeah, trade, yeah. They actually, trade lives. Yeah, but, but I was drawn to Nicholas Cage's character. Like, I mm -hmm. was like, wow, that. That was, like, cool to me. Mm -hmm. That would be awesome to be like that guy. Like, mm -hmm. what in the world? You know, and this is when I'm, like, younger, 19, not, you know, 20, 21. But by the time I was, like, 22, um, I had gotten two more DWIs. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm driving around. It's crazy. I had an apartment, um, you know. so Were you making good money with this whole life of the drugs? Well, I had actually started a painting company. I wasn't even selling drugs. So I, w I was just hanging around. All my friends were drug dealers. So yeah. they were drug dealers. You started your own painting company. Yeah. But you would ride with them and get into these crazy yeah. situations. Yeah. I wasn't successful as a drug dealer. <laughs> like, one time they gave me drugs to sell, yeah. and, like, I went to a party, and I just ended up do doing all the drugs with everybody at the party. Like, I wasn't yeah. very good as a drug right. dealer. You took I the supply. Yeah, I wasn't a very good businessman. Yeah. <laughs> period. He was trying to make everybody happy. Yeah, I was just having fun, yeah. you know? So I was like, I wasn't good at that. So it was like, you know what? <laughs> And they never really charged me for anything. Like, my friend, like, he'd always pay for everything. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like I was even – we were really friends. Yeah. Because it wasn't like he was just hanging out with me because I was giving him a bunch of money for drugs. We, right. we actually really became friends. And I'm, I'm still friends with him to yeah. this day. But uh, so – but we, don't, we can't hang out as much anymore like we used to. Well, so, Eric, tell me, like, how did it all – what – how did it all get to the point where you're in trouble? Yeah. Okay, so – so, so at the age of 22, I, I, I had started dating this girl and I basically living this lifestyle, crazy lifestyle with these guys and, and doing my own thing. And somehow I got in a relationship with a girl that was like a good girl. She was an accountant and I ended up messing that relationship up. And then I got heartbroken and I had this real realization after I lost this girl that I loved, I was like, man, you know, like. Everything that made me lose this girl was, like, things that wasn't even me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I realized, like, I'm not even being myself if she really knew who I was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like everything that I really am is what she was really looking for, even though she was attracted to the funny, yeah. the, the good things about me. But the bad things about me was, was what ended up ruining that relationship. So then I, I had a turn where I turned to God, and I said, you know what? Like, Lord, help me change my life. Like, I got to stop. So And then I ended up having to do house arrest in like 20 days of work release because I got three DWIs in like a year and a half, mm -hmm. you know, and I didn't realize DWIs really even affected yeah. you that way. I just thought they were expensive tickets, mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah, they take that stuff really serious. Yeah, yeah, this is when Mothers Against Drunk Driving back. So the last DWI I got was in 2004. So then I took a turn where when I was, and I had an, a, like a loft apartment in St. Charles. It was a nice apartment. I was living by myself. You know, because I was doing all right with painting. I was doing, like, new construction mm -hmm. paint jobs, and I was making decent money. And um, Yeah, and you're good at that stuff. I yeah. Mean, you're painting and Well, I wasn't as good then as I was as <laughs> you got I better. now. I got better as time <laughs> progressed. Experience. Uh, That's good. Yeah, so so at some point I ended up, I turned to the Lord, and, 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 I, and I changed my life. I got sober. For like five and a half, six years, you know. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah, and I well, and I and I got extreme. I started, you know, going to church and like Bible studies, and and I and I was heartbroken, and I stopped 
stopped partying, stopped doing my thing. And I just focused on my business and studying the Bible. Okay. And so I did that. I even, this doesn't sound like a path to prison. No, it doesn't. Uh -uh. No. So, so that's why my, my story is unique because it's like, I, you know, kind of like got right and then went, like went worse after, after the fact, but not really worse, but, but but yeah, it's 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 not not the typical path to prison. Yeah, no, it doesn't sound so, like it. But I had like five and a half years where I didn't shave or cut my hair. Wow! Did you ever did I ever show you a picture of that? I, you know what, you did show me a picture yeah. of that. I don't yeah. know why you. I think you showed me a picture of it at Leavenworth. Maybe did you have it at Leavenworth? Oh, uh, maybe I did. Maybe I did. I don't know. Anyway, I do know that picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I, uh, you look so, like one of the disciples. Yeah. So I got extra. I know. I started be like I'm like well if I can't act like Jesus. I'm at least going to yeah, look gonna like, look like you it. know what I mean? So, so I, so I had this Nazarite vow and I, so, you know, my, if you guys can't tell by yet, my, my personality is very extreme. So then if I'm going to be like, if I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to be a prophet, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, so I'm, you're going to be political science. You're going to be the president. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So you're getting to see the picture of us. So, <laughs> so I, so I turn to the Lord, I get extreme and I'm like doing this thing, but then I, I, I get sober and I, and I start reading the Bible, but I start getting like really judgmental. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I start like pointing out everybody else's flaws mm-hmm. and everything. And then like, I'm judging the church. I'm like, Oh, this is just a big business. This mm-hmm. is all about the money. Mm-hmm. And I kind of start isolating myself and, and, and getting, getting like my own view and, and mentality. So, and I, and I'm, and I studied the word. So I, I know the word, mm-hmm. you know, it's like funny, like the Lord's even got me doing ministry. I'm, I'm preaching every, a couple mm-hmm. times a, a month now, but um, so I learned the word, but I had it twisted. You know what I mean? So, and then, but God's so merciful. So I, so I, so I was judging everybody, judging the world. And, you know, Jesus says, judge not lest you be judged, you know? So, so, and, and, and so, so by doing that, I kind of brought myself in this position where I needed to be humbled and I was working at this job. So that probably happened in like, in like 2011, I ended up, I was working on this job and this girl started coming on to me and she was, you know, attractive, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, so I ended up shaving my beard, cutting my hair, and and I would just started going back to that like justifying mm-hmm. things. You know what I mean? I, I I didn't talk to her like I, but it got me to shave and cut my hair and trying to change my lifestyle. I kind of let go of different things and and kind of started going a different direction where I was like, oh well, you know, God created whatever God created is good, and, and to be accepted if received with Thanksgiving, like, hey, marijuana is okay. God created, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, this is okay. It's all good. Yeah, I didn't drink. I still didn't drink for a while, but I I got in some relationships, and you know, I just started justifying things, and I started getting a little bit of weed, and then I'm like, you know, doesn't make sense to to pay for weed. You know what I'm saying? So, and at that time, it wasn't legal or anything. So, you know, you're having to be sneaky and hide things, and I already had that draw to that type of lifestyle, but I'm in a different place now where I'm like more mature Mm -hmm. and more business minded. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I started getting weed and I was, and then I was selling weed, but I wasn't selling. From the same guys that you knew before? Um, or not really? Actually, no, it's, I had formed a new relationship. I, I, I was in business with this guy. I was rehabbing houses for him yeah. and he was a house flipper, but he was doing them as like section eight houses. Yeah. And then I started doing later down the road, we were doing custom homes, but so I had shifted my painting company. Well, especially in t- after 2008, 
it's like I was painting subdivisions, and sure. there was no subdivisions to paint right. anymore. Everything you know what I mean? went I was, down the- all my all my my painting business was a new construction painting business, yeah. and new construction was like all right. So then I had to shift yeah. gears, and and I started doing flooring, and then I started doing. Next thing I know, I was doing kitchens and bathrooms, and I started yeah. doing whole houses for this guy. Yeah, you just adapted to the yeah, market. Yeah, yeah. So and then he was. I remember he had paid me in cash a couple times, mm-hmm. and it was like you know fives and tens and twenty. You know, I'm like you know. I'm hip to it. You know what I mean? I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. So then I say something to him. I'm like, so what's up, man? What's going on with this? You know, like, and I had told him stories. He was a black guy. Mm-hmm. And I had told him stories about my past, you know, like how my friends had to hide mm-hmm. me in the back seat, And yeah. I was like this crazy white guy, you mm-hmm. know, like, I, you know, there's Kings of Comedy. I don't know if you're familiar with that Kings of Comedy, but there's a segment on there where they're like, he talked, they talk about, if you ever see a white guy with those black guys, like, don't mess with that white guy because, like, you have to understand what he did to earn those black guys' respect. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, I, and I always joke around, like, that was me, you know? So, but, uh, so I, so I told him stories like that. And we had, we, I mean, I knew him for six years, you know, before we even talked about drugs. And I don't, I don't think that he was selling drugs the whole time. I think that things had just happened where we both had kind of like failed as businessmen Mm -hmm. and we both were like just scrambling to like, okay, screw it, whatever it is to make money. Cause Mm -hmm. I was like bankrupt, you Mm -hmm. know, I I had had during that beard phase, there was a point in time where I had had 20 employees Mm -hmm. um, with my painting company and I, I lost like 150 grand in six months. You know what I'm saying? And, and I never was able to recuperate from that. I never yeah. filed bankruptcy or anything, but you were I, basically bankrupt. I was just yeah. I was bankrupt. I was just every job was I was robbing Peter to pay Paul. And it was like I wasn't So you guys really got into the drug part of it as a cash flow item. Exactly. Okay. I was I was using so he would front me marijuana and I would pay my guys, but I would have a little bit of time to to pay him and mm-hmm. I would pay my guys right away and then pay you know, mm-hmm. pay off chunks of drug debt with money that I made from my jobs. Yeah. And uh, so I started doing that. And, you know, but of course it's like, I started getting, you know, ounces of weed. Then I was getting quarter pounds. Then I'm getting pounds. And then it was just like, all right. And I knew he was from California and we've, you know, if anybody's seen the movie blow, mm-hmm. you know, you're like everybody you're as a drug dealer, you're always looking for that connect, yeah. you know, the California connect or some mm-hmm. straight, if you can't get the direct connect in like Mexico mm-hmm. or South America, your next best bet is like California sure. or some other place like yeah. that. So, and him being from California and already having, he was getting marijuana. I started talking to him. I'm like, Hey, you know, like what's up with, Okay. I actually was the one who brought it up to him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he was like, you know, whatever, let me talk to these guys. And I mean, it, it took some time and cause, and then I'm talking to my friend, the other guy that had, and he's like, man, we don't, we've been selling heroin mm-hmm. because we can't even get cocaine anymore. And he's like, I don't, he's like, I hate selling heroin. We got like six guys on the corner with guns. Cause these heroin ags will come, they'll take your life for yeah. the drugs. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah. we, and they're in a, and like, it was, it was weird to see like the depressed state of like the drug dealers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're like, we want cocaine. We don't want to sell heroin. These dudes are going to kill us. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, so whenever I brought up um, cocaine in like 2011, 12, um, it was, it was, it was my one, but it was like referred to it as like, that's like a dinosaur. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's hard to find in St. Louis at this time. So, so I started talking to him and eventually he, you know, he calls me one day, hey, come by. And so I come by and, and he, he gave me nine ounces of cocaine, which is a quarter kilo. And he's like, all right, here you go. Let's, let's see what happens. You know what I mean? So I take that quarter kilo and I go to my buddy's spot and I drop. 
I dropped, I take it to them and they're like, oh man, like this is legit. This is the stuff. It was good. You know, like, like on the, on the crack side of things, like it would come back more like you, you know, cause when you most, you know, guys that are really in the drug game with cocaine in, in St. Louis city are, are taking powder cocaine and cooking it up and making crack. And because you can get a lot more return out of, out of your investment. But so I took it to them and, and immediately like I'm, I'm on my way back to the guy again with $32,000 to get a whole kilo. Mm. You know what I mean? So, so then I'm like, everything happened fast. Yeah. So then I'm like, yeah, that was like the nightmare success. This was nightmare success of cocaine. So then I, so then I start and then, you know, of course I can't introduce this guy to this guy because mm-hmm. that's my mean, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I, I my advantage was, I knew the guy in California. I knew the guy in St. Louis, but they didn't know each other. Right. You were the connect. Yeah. So, so, and that was a good, you know, and I felt good about that Mm -hmm. too. You know, whenever, whenever my guy would like, there's this, you know, Mm -hmm. black stripper girl, like Mm -hmm. she's like, oh, and he's like, oh, and I can hear hear him whispering to her like, oh, that's the connect. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that was like. Made you feel good. I liked that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and, and this is after having studied the Bible mm-hmm. for six or seven years, growing my hair out, Evan mm-hmm. and out. And it wasn't like I had given up on God. It was just that I had just like, I had just given, I had just given up on yeah. everything. You know what I mean? I'm like, cause it was like, I tried so hard and I still failed. I'm like, yeah. I can't do this. You know right. what I mean? Like, so, so I took this other route. You just went all in on this. Yeah, and I even kind of, I even got so kind of deceived in my mind that I even kind of thought that this opportunity with these kilos of cocaine was was like a gift from God to get Help out you of out. debt. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> this is how I, you know, I'm still justifying. He's your things. partner in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm praying over the kilos, yeah. like, all right, Lord, you know, like, yeah. you know. So, so I get to a point where where things are getting out of control and. And I wasn't doing any cocaine or anything at first. Oh, you're you know, making good money. Yeah, yeah, I was doing all right. You know, and it wasn't like a constant thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like once a week or once every two weeks, I would get a few kilos and then take it off. And then there was, and then there might have even been a couple months where I wasn't able to get anything. And I'm, mm-hmm. I remember talking to my guy. I'm like, dude, what is the deal? And he's like, hey, did you see? Uh, all the decapitated bodies down in Mexico, like that's what's going on. <laughs> There's cartel yeah. wars right now, you know. So it was weird to be like, you're part uh, of that. I'm yeah. like, I my business was affected by all these people being decapitated. Yeah, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? But I was still doing construction. I was still working every day. You know what I mean? I was still in my mind. I was like, all right, this this Keeping wasn't it all together. This wasn't my end game. This all was right. like this shortcut that mm-hmm. that was going to help me really fulfill. These other dreams that I had just kept falling short mm-hmm. of, of, of being. So stopgap. Yeah. Yeah. So basically to be doing what I'm doing now without, yeah. you know, but so I saw so that's, uh, that's, that's how that happened. So did you just get one day the door gets knocked down and they handcuff you or did you, were you, were you given a heads up that things are getting hot and they're after this area of town and what happened? Well, so what happened was, so I had kind of started just partying hardcore mm-hmm. and I'm going out and, and buying, every, like I was buying everybody's drinks at yeah. the bar just cause that's what I really wanted. You yeah. know what I mean? To be make everybody seen happy. and be cool and yeah. whatever, you know the what popular I mean? kid. Yeah. I wanted to be the popular <laughs> guy. I was like, I'm like, you cannot be popular yeah. in the position I was in. And, yeah. and, uh, and you know, with cocaine, it's like, I couldn't have ran out of cocaine if I wanted to, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So that, that was bad, especially if you start using cocaine and it wasn't like I was a, 
drug addict because I would just do cocaine so I could party more and drink more. Really, mm-hmm. that was like a, you know, but it wasn't like because when I ran, when I didn't have cocaine, it wasn't like I was chasing it or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? So, so anyways, so I got to a point where I was getting three kilos um, the next day, but I, I was wrestling. Like, I remember, I mean, it's probably weird, but I mean, I had like felt like evil spirits in my room. Like, I felt this thing like hit me in my back, like taunting me. Like reminding me, like of how did you get paranoid? How oh, super. I mean, paranoid. did you get paranoid that people were going to snitch around you? I or? just got extremely paranoid. Period. Period. I was just paranoid. Okay. You know, well, like marijuana and cocaine and those things. These all make you paranoid, mm-hmm. anyways. And then if you have a brain and you're doing illegal things, you'd be paranoid on top of that. And then you add these other drugs, right? That make you super paranoid. Yeah. So I was feeling extremely paranoid, and I remember going to bed that night, and I'm like. And I, I was just paranoid because the next day I, I got this thing coming and I, uh, so I, I got up the next morning and I take a shower and I literally, I get down on my knees and I prayed in the shower and I was like, I said, I was just like, Lord, whatever it takes, make me change my life. And I went to work that day and, um, and then I was going back on my lunch break to, to take care of. You know, basically getting rid of these these three kilos, mm-hmm. and there was a guy at my house that you know was just there during the day and and whatever, and and I called him and he didn't answer the phone, so I already knew something was up. And as I'm driving down the street, uh, it was on Jungerman. I'm driving down Jungerman, and this house is on Omar Court, and you could it's like a it's a court just right off Jungerman. So and as I'm driving towards it, I see the street and like right at the very back. There, I see cop cars just lying all the way down the street. So, you know, of course, I didn't turn down the street. You mm-hmm. know, only an idiot would do that. But so I just keep driving. And then I the house backed up to Jungman, and I look at the house, and I see, like, people in full body gear, AR-15s, like, surrounding the house. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, like so, so I just keep driving, and I call a lawyer. You know what I mean? Uh, I had been dating some girl back in the day who was now involved with a lawyer or no, she, she became a lawyer. Okay. So I called her, even though we weren't dating anymore. Yeah. I called her immediately cause she knew maybe me. we should start dating. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so she gives me her boyfriend's number. And, uh, so then I talked to him and, and then he, he, it's above his pay grade. Okay. You know, I'm like, this is a three kilo mm-hmm. situation. And, um, so then they're like, look, you know, I, so, and then I, they're like, look, don't talk to anybody. How don't. much cocaine is three kilos? Three kilos of cocaine is 6.6 pounds. So, 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 so they're like, so if you're selling them at, there was at certain points where kilos would even go for almost 42,000 a piece. And that's like wholesale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but typically, you know, from, it'd be about 32 to $36,000 at that time, Okay, you know, and, but a gram of cocaine you know, would sell for a hundred dollars and that could, but, but that's a gram of cocaine that could have been cut. So these kilos uncut, I've, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, I thought about this a lot. I mean, it's almost over. If you were to do it right and you had three kilos of cocaine Mm -hmm. and you cut it and, and reproduce it, you could almost make it like $600,000. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, but that would be a lot of traffic, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? As, but, but me, I was just like, I was smart enough to just have one person. Yeah. All right, I'm just taking this to one person. That's Very, it. You yeah. know what I mean? So, but, so I have that situation where I call a lawyer I, and then I go back to work. I took my phone apart, all this stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and I go back to work 
And then I'm like, you know what? Uh, oh, and then I had an, I, I remembered I had, I was doing a flip house and I had called this, this guy was going to my house to drop my tools off at that place. And I was supposed to meet him there around my lunch break. Cause I was, you know, I was multitasking. I was trying mm-hmm. to knock out two things at once. And, um, so then I call him to be like, Hey, don't go to my house, you know? And, and I call him, he's like, Hey, what's up, man? He's like, I'm like, yeah, dude, I just want to let you know, Hey, don't go to my house right now. I'm going to have to meet you a different time. I'll meet you later on just to, to get my tools. And he's like, Oh, I'm at your house. I'm like, Oh, you're at my house. He's like, yeah, I'm here. I'm like, really? I'm like, well, um, okay. Is anybody there? He's like, no, nobody's here. I'm like, huh? So then I say, okay, there's like one of those keypad locks on my front door where you can just enter a code. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, just go in my house and put my tools in my garage. I'll have to catch up with you later on. I'm not going back to my house anytime soon. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? And then I heard another voice in the background oh. say, I wouldn't come home anytime soon either if I was you. And then as soon as I heard that, I hung up, you know, and, and, and took my phone back apart. And I'm, and I'm on a, at a customer's house. I was painting their house. And uh, I had a guy working for me. You know, I, th- I still had about six guys working for me at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, all right, like, here, here, it's over. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, so, so then I call, I think I called the lawyer again at one point and I'm like, like the, the question was, should I turn myself in? Should I not? Should I, what should I do? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so then I just, I got to a point where I'm like, you know what? Face the music. You know, and I'm remembering too. Like, I'm like, you know what? I, I woke up this morning and I prayed. Mm-hmm. God, whatever it takes, make me change my life. And I'm like, of course, this is the this prayer. This is the big change. This is the big. I'm like, Lord, out of all the prayers I've ever prayed, like, why hear yeah. this one? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, why? Yeah. Why does this have to be the way? You right. know. So, but so I, so I, I said, screw it. Face face the music. I call him back. You know, okay. I call that same guy's phone back. I don't yeah. know their number, obviously. Right. So I call that guy's phone back, and I'm like, hey man, I'm like, all right. I said, you know, I'm at work, like. I can meet you guys like around like five or six o'clock after I get off work. You know, uh-huh. they're like, they're like, look, if you don't come here right now, we're going to come find you. You know, it was like, I still had this, you know, there's a lot of control that we right. we're going to try to work. It, this yeah. Out. Yeah. We're, I, I, like I, it's on my time on right. my schedule. Like, yeah. you know, that was like how naive I was not really understanding the gravity of the situation. Um, so, so I'm like, yeah, whenever, whenever I got time, I'll come meet you guys after I get off work, yeah. we'll talk, whatever, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, like that. And well, and I wasn't going to talk to him because I mean, that was the best advice I ever got from anybody. And, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, you know, people that do cooperate with them. I mean, I don't know. I just, it wasn't, it wasn't, I was, it wasn't really an option for me because I was really involved with people where I, I was, a, I mean, they were my friends, first of all, mm-hmm. second of all. I'd rather go to prison than have to look over my shoulder and right. maybe Somebody's get killed. Somebody's going to take you down. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, and, and honestly, they're, but. So what'd you do, Eric? So I ended up, so I ended up driving back. So, and so I, so I said, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll be there in a few minutes. And they're like, yeah, well, I said, I'll be there in like 30 minutes. So they're like, all right, we'll sit down. We'll pop a Coke. And I didn't realize like, as, after I got there, I go back and I'm like, look, the plea the fifth. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't have anything to talk about whatever, you know, like I just needed my lawyer, whatever. So they ended up arresting me mm-hmm. and taking me to St. Peter's. Um, but I didn't really, who was this? Uh, it was like, was it the feds? Was it the sheriff? Was well, it they, the, they, the front was the DEA. DEA. Yeah. 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 So it was DEA and, uh, and, and the St. St. Peter's police okay. force. Those so. are the two people that were sitting there waiting. Yeah. For yeah. 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 
Yeah. So, so, so they I, arrest you and take you to the county jail. They they arrest me and take me to um, the county. They take me to St. Peter's. Okay. The municipality over there. They take me there, and I'm just sitting there. And did they say what you were under arrest for? They didn't say. They didn't say see, anything. Th- see, it was like they they read me my rights. Yeah. I, that's all I really remember is they read me my rights, but as soon as they said you have the right to remain silent, I'm like, yeah, that's the that's right. the one I'm gonna that's do. That's the one that I like right yeah. there. You know what I mean? And then I remember I'm sitting there, they're they're doing their thing, and they're like taking my big screen TV off the wall and stuff. Oh wow! And then they took the TV stand, and I was like, oh, you guys need that for evidence. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, so I said, whose whose house is that going to be in tonight? Yeah. You know what I mean? So so I was still kind of a retard, you know, with the situation. But I but so I ended up there, and then. So yeah, and then so so then the other guy that was there had gotten arrested, and he. So then I get out. The guy you were working with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, no, 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 no. The other guy that I was involved with with the drugs, nobody else got arrested. Okay. Just me. Okay. So, um, and I think I think what they did was well, there was a guy that was at the house. Yeah, with all he the was people. just he wasn't really even involved. Yeah, he was just he just like, happened to be at the wrong place. He was just time. he was just one of my friends that. Lived, oh, lived with me. Yeah. Well, he did, but he had even moved out because I think he was like, whatever Eric's got going on yeah. is crazy, but he still had a room there. Yeah. But he was like staying with his girlfriend and he would like come there during the day to do some work stuff. Okay. You know, and he was just, he was just there. So, so I. Surprise to him. Yeah. 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 So, well, he knew, but whatever. Yeah. I, and that's, a, I mean, but I had told the feds at one point in time, they, you know, so so there was like six months that went by before I even got indicted, and there and I'm talking to my lawyer, and he's telling me like, hey. okay, but you you jumping ahead there, so they they take you to jail, mm-hmm. then they just released you, yeah, okay, so they said, hey, we, we got a picture of you, we fingerprinted you, yeah, head on home, yeah, all right, and it was wild experience. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay, so then, now what? so so that so because I'm like thinking in my mind, all right, here I'm going to prison, yeah, you know what I mean, like so then they let me back out, and I'm like confused, like, yeah. What's going on? So then I meet with the lawyer. You know, it was like eight thousand or whatever, mm-hmm. or ten thousand dollars. I so I go and I give them five thousand dollars, and and actually, you know, the guys that that I had been working with, they were actually giving me money to pay my lawyers, which was really nice of them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, but it was in their best interest sure. as well, right? Yeah. So you know, so it was a good good friendship we had, and and and, and anyway, so I so I go to the lawyer, and he's telling me like, hey, you know. Like, you didn't cooperate with him? No, I didn't tell him anything. And then the other guy, as far as I knew, didn't cooperate with him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, neither of you guys cooperated with him. I'm like, no, no, no. And he's like, well, I don't know. And then as time went on, he's like, man, I think they might have just had to drop this thing because they would typically they, they kick in the door and they got this yeah. and they start threatening you. Like, they sat me down and they're like, oh, you you realize you're going to prison for 25 years, blah, 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 blah. And you giving them names. Yeah, and I, and I start saying, well, I'm like, well, that's something I need to talk to my lawyer about. And that's, mm-hmm. how I, that's just how I answered everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That sounds like something I need to talk to my lawyer about. Oh, yeah. Oh, that sounds like something I need to talk to my lawyer about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I actually was in, smart about yeah. that. You know what I mean? Because they were lying. Political science guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so this is something I need to talk to my lawyer about. So I just kept saying that. And whenever I, whenever I was at my lawyer, they were like, he was like, man, I don't know. They, they might have to drop this thing because of just the, the circumstances, how, how it was weird. Cause mm-hmm. I wasn't home. That other guy was there. Mm-hmm. Who do you pin it on? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, but you know, obviously conspiracy is, is there. But they that. didn't find drugs at the house. 
No, they did. Oh, they, they did. did. Okay, yeah. so there were drugs at the house. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got the three. I thought kilos. maybe there was. They got the three kilos. Okay. All right. They got, they the got three that. Kilos. All right. No. Well, what I was doing was I was stupid enough to to have these things mailed. Okay. Yeah. So, but it was so like, always there. Yeah. They, they they were sitting on it, so they had that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They well, actually, it was the postal inspectors. Got it. So the DEA was the front, but the postal inspector was the federal side. Sure. But they would have let it go to state, but they ended up doing it as a federal indictment. Yeah. Well, post, mostly, postal be, is be, mostly because of the postal, sure. but also because of the quantity. Going state to state. Yeah. yeah. So, but, so it was that, that was the situation with that. And, and that was kind of foolish, but at first it was like the guy was getting it mailed to his house mm-hmm. and I was going and picking it up. And then I'm like, after a year or a year and a half of doing that, I just was like. Not a big deal. It felt comfortable. I got comfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and to the point where I was like, even. Yeah. Like, let's just use my address. Sure. I was even using my mom's address. I didn't even know. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, I just got foolish with that. You know what I mean? Because it seemed like I was outsmarting them. Like, yeah. well, why would they? Think that you would do that. Why would they think that three kilos of cocaine was in the mail and I would have it? Sure. This white guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and and if as long as it's not some Hispanic uh, yeah. cartel or, or some drug dealer mailing it, yeah. why would the post office ever suspect that? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but. So your attorney says uh, maybe maybe we were, uh, obviously he had to start talking to somebody from the federal side. When, yeah. When did you know what you were dealing with? Well, it wasn't until like six months later that finally he called me. And that was like, because I had even, I'd been giving him money. Mm-hmm. You know, I was giving him like a thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Every time I saw him. Yeah. And then I was like, what are we doing? Why am I still giving you money if you're telling me that I might not be yeah. indicted? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, so, so I stopped giving him money and then we kind of, but then he ended up calling me and they came down with a co- conspiracy to distribute cocaine in the amount of two and a half to three and a half kilos. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had been just kind of like, silently hoping that maybe this thing was over with because it was so long. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, that's the torment of the federal stuff, right? That yeah. You get in trouble, then they let you out, and you're like, what's going on? But yeah. really, they're watching you. They're doing the, You know what I right. mean? And and trying to see. So I was obviously had the mindset that they were probably tracking, watching me. And, mm-hmm. and, and we kept – I just kept doing the same thing I had done mm-hmm. on a daily basis without selling drugs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even seeing the same people again to not yeah. – to not make it obvious that any of these relationships were suspicious. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so that, that was, that happened. And, and I, what'd they say your time? So, so I, at first, were? so at first they were talking about, um, like seven years, mm-hmm. seven years, but then as they weren't able to get me to cooperate, the, the pressure started to intensify. Mm-hmm. Um, they like picked up my girlfriend from her work um, they're picking up different people in my life, you know what I mean? And then they, um, even had picked up, they found a fingerprint on one of these things at my house and they picked up this kid. And then this girl that I had kind of known from Applebee's, they went to her house and they arrested mm. her brother. And, and then she made up this whole fabricated story that they coached her on, mm-hmm. uh, had her write out this whole thing. And, and it was like, complete lies, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Everything that she had said, because she didn't know anything about me. Like, I wasn't around, I wasn't going around telling anybody what I was doing. Right. You know? I wasn't stupid enough to do that. Right. So I, so they just did all this stuff to try and add pressure. And at one point they were telling me, my lawyer called me in there. He's like, dude, you're looking at 10 to 15 years. Because they, they said that I uh, obstructed justice. Because, well, 
back up. They finally got me to the point where they're like, all right, we will give you a downward departure. All we because they knew I wasn't going to cooperate. They're like, all we want you to do is tell us how Nick was involved, which mm-hmm. was the guy at my house. Mm-hmm. And me with this bright idea that I had, I'm like, I'm going to get Nick out of trouble. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And clear his name. So I go in there and I tell him, Nick is completely innocent. Mm-hmm. He's just a guy at the wrong place at the wrong time, blah, 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 blah. So, and of course, I tell Nick that, but, and Nick, he caves under the pressure. Mm-hmm. He ends up pleading guilty. And as soon as he pled guilty, that's why I still had some leverage mm-hmm. until he pled guilty. But as soon as he pled guilty, then they said, okay, you obstructed justice. You lied about Nick. It's cooperation. You told us he was completely innocent. And he, mm-hmm. he's telling us he's not. You know what I mean? So then, then they also had where I had gone to the Applebee's girl. Mm-hmm. And I was like, look, what, you know, what are you doing? What's going on? Like, hey, that's whatever they're saying that I'm saying about you isn't true. They're just doing all this to stir us up against mm-hmm. each other. Like, come so on. So they said that was tampering. They said I tampered, uh, tampered with witnesses. So then they, they had me for these two things and they're trying to enhance mm-hmm. my levels and stuff. And it was like, my lawyer was like, look, dude, you're, you're doing 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, I, I, I remember I kind of cried in front of him. I was like, cause it is what it is. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like that doesn't, change my options. You know what I'm saying? Like that still doesn't, just because you're saying I'm going to be doing more prison time, that doesn't mean that I can now cooperate. Right. I'm still stuck in the same position of not being able to cooperate. You know what I mean? So, so I, so I stuck to my, my guns and I couldn't cave. You know, I wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't a, a gamble I was willing to take just to, to keep my life. So there was a scripture in the, in the Bible that says a man's judgment it's from the Lord. So I kind of just had been turning back to God, realizing how messed up my mentality was. And, and I was reading the Bible again, and, and I just stuck to that. I'm like, all right, Lord, you know, my judgment's from you. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, you're, you're fair. You know what I mean? Like, you know the whole situation. You know whatever. So, and I ended up going to court that day, and um, I got a five-year. I ended up with a five-year prison sentence after all that. So, um so that was it. So did they take you right away that day or did, were you? No, they let me self-surrender. Okay. So, so you self-surrendered uh Marion? Yeah. 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 That was wild. Do you know what I mean? Like my girlfriend at the time, you know, was, dropped me off. Well, prison. tell me about that. Tell me about the night before going in. Yeah. It was, well, nerve wracking. Yeah. You know what I mean? And as time was progressing to get up there, I was. I had kind of started taking like volumes and stuff like that. And and I was drinking a lot and and whatever, even though I was on um, the pre-trial. Pre-trial. You had to take the. Yeah. Yeah. I was taking drug tests, but like, but I was, I started like, I was just stressed out and whatever. So I still was doing stuff, but I had like, I was calculating the amount of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I would know like, okay, I could do this after this. And I would still use drugs here and there and, and whatever. But I knew like the half-life of how long it would yeah. take to get out of your system and stuff. A lot of reading. Yeah. 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 So, so anyway, so, so I, so the night before you go, you feel nervous. You feel like did not probably sleep very well. No, your no. girlfriend's with you. Yeah. She's probably freaked out. Yeah. She doesn't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when she drove me there, it was feeling, yeah, I was feeling, and that's a bad drive to Marion because yeah. you get off on that highway and that you go down prison road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't, you don't. And I'm talking about this because this is where my dad was when I was 15 years old, and that was like we were it felt like we just drove into the 
field side and then all of a sudden there's this monstrosity of a prison yeah out in the middle of nowhere yeah 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 so i see the so i'm driving down the road and i see the prison and i'm like my heart kind of sank because i knew it was a prison camp because mm-hmm. i had had low level you know what i mean like it was I, the only other thing i had ever been in trouble for i'd never been in trouble for drugs before just the dwis right so and i never i didn't have any violence in my background whatever so they yeah. allowed me to have camp. my experience with the federal government was actually it was decent because I feel like I got a lot less than what I deserved. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Even though I, I made these mistakes, but. Well, yeah, like, five from, years to 10 to 15 was was a lot different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the judge was merciful, mm-hmm. and uh, she she looked at my thing, saw that I had my own business. It mm-hmm. wasn't like I was doing this full time. It wasn't like my, right. you know, it wasn't you were like, like a, a drug king. Yeah, thing. it wasn't like I was this guy. I was just like You're, surplusing my income, right. trying to Makes, take shortcuts. You right. know what I mean? So. So I so I'm driving down the we're driving down the road and I see the prison my heart kind of drops when I see that fence I'm like oh crap you know what I mean like so and then we keep driving the I guess the GPS was taking us to the other place yeah. and I'm seeing all these guys like driving around in golf carts and driving around and doing all this stuff and I'm like oh these guys must work for the prison or whatever yeah <laughs> then I guess then I realize like wait these are the prisoners and I was like oh man so then my first you know so then I'm like. You know, I, I started out good in there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I was doing the right thing. And I was, I was like, you know, reading my Bible and studying. And then, and then as time progressed, I'm like looking around, I'm like, wow, I could, I kind of started realizing like I could get away with stuff in here. I don't have to like yeah. do this. So then I started like drinking in prison and, and I was like even selling K2 in there. So was it, was Marion, an easier environment than Leavenworth as far as being able to do things like that? Oh, man, yeah. Marion was way easier to get away with stuff. Because yeah. Leavenworth was, like, people who were, like... Well, and you had a fence around it, too. Yeah, yeah, a fence around it. But it was more the, the, the COs. Yeah. You know what I mean? The COs at Marion could have cared less. Right. The COs at Leavenworth were, like, army people or... Yeah. or You know what I mean? They yeah. were, like, they had some background in where they actually cared yeah. about, like, more of a police mindset. Yeah. So, it was more, you know, difficult to... But even though I did do stuff at mm-hmm. Leavenworth, too. Yeah. You know, so... So, because I... I got in prison. I just got so depressed. I didn't care. You know what I mean? I'm like, You want right. to do something... Well, I mean, I guess it, maybe that was one of your strategies when being in prison was is that you were going to do something to get your mind focused on it might not have been a good thing if you yeah. were selling or drinking or whatever you were focused on trying to get that stuff yeah 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 i remember like i started saying at marion i'm like my i started coining the phrase i'm like i'm not i'm not i'm doing this time i'm not letting this time do me yeah. you know what i mean like that's what i started saying yeah. and so you're I, gonna own it yeah i was just like <laughs> you're I, in control yeah i was in control so and i was bringing i was carrying bags of alcohol in on new year's eve dude i drank a 24 20- Four pack of I had a twenty four pack of Budweiser. Wow. Yeah. So it was it was stupid. Like that place was out of control. Like yeah. thank God I left Marion. I probably would never would have changed. Because yeah. my bunkie, I'd learned how to make meth and stuff. And I'm like, why would I ever get cocaine again? I could just make meth yeah, anywhere. You, you, you know were learning I mean? how to be a better yeah, criminal. Yeah, at yeah. I figured out like I could take twenty thousand dollars and make one point two million dollars worth of meth. You know what I mean? So anyway, so it was crazy. I was but God, you know. Had mercy on me, and eventually, I in that program RDAP and stuff. Well, tell tell me about that because you get transferred from Marion to Leavenworth. That's how we meet. Yeah, yeah. So I get transferred from Marion to Leavenworth, and because I, of the RDAP program, which I always am confused about what the RDAP is. It residential drug abuse program. Abuse program. Yeah, yeah. which is I odd. always try to put alcohol in there. It's, but it's odd abuse. that you were in there. You know what I mean? Well, I was <laughs> I was in there. Um, you know. 
for those who don't know, this is one of the programs that you can get a year off and not just one, it is the program you can get a year off in the federal prison. And how I got in was in my pre-sentence report, the, uh, the guy, I actually liked the guy that did the pre-sentence report, but he said, Brent, do you drink? And I said, yes, I do. He said, are you under a lot of stress? And I said, I am. He said, do you, do you believe that you're drinking more because you're under stress? (laughs) I said, yes. (laughs) He said, well, I'm going to put it in your pre-sentence report that you have a drinking problem. And he said, I'm going to Thank recommend you. you for the RDEP program. And he said, it's your job to go and, and try to get into it when you get there. So um, I looked at it as the best thing that had happened to <laughs> yeah, me through the yeah. whole program was yeah. this guy was trying to help me out. Yeah. 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 Crazy. No, it was a blessing. I yeah. almost didn't make it through the program. I don't know if you remember that part of me, but it was. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I got, I got, I got transferred there. And I was like, all right, I have to do the right thing. But then I like, while I was there, you know, the house I had in St. Peter's, the girl, you know, whatever, everything ended up, I lost it all. Yeah. Realizing it while I'm there, you yeah. know, she's dating one of my friends, you yeah. know, like, and I, I had. It's all bad news. Yeah. So, and I had been through that before. That's the first girl that I lost. I ended up dating. She's married my best friend. Yeah. But anyway, so, so I'm just like pity party. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So. Well, that is a bad story. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it is what it is. You <laughs> yeah. go to prison, it's going to happen. Right. Period. If right. it doesn't happen to you while yeah. you're in prison, like your story's one of the few. You know? It's unusual. So, but yeah. it was because you probably were, you were actually a good guy before you went to prison. <laughs> and, and I wasn't, you know I, I had a good, I had a good wife that, yeah. you know, from, from the beginning of this really just decided that she was going to walk through this with me. And Julie was really the glue that held, I think, you know, I think the girls looked at her when I was in prison and thought, you know, if mom can be this strong, then we can be this strong. And so I think that allowed the the kids to strengthen up too. So I, yeah, I was very lucky on that. Yeah. Very lucky. Yeah. So I started, so at Leavenworth though, I started more just doing the K2 stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, like he said, I just like wanted to escape. And I, I mean, was, for the people that don't know K2, that's like a synthetic uh, marijuana. That's but dangerous lie. as hell. It's not synthetic. See, that's what got me was they were like, oh, it's like synthetic marijuana. Yeah. It is not like marijuana at all. It's like it put a hallucinogen. in a zombie state. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. And you don't even realize you're in that state because now when people tell me stories about like, dude, you were like. But let, let me ask you this, though, because it's interesting that you would, you would be willing to step into that in prison yeah. knowing that it could get you more time. Did you, did those thoughts come into your head that I'm in prison doing something on federal grounds here that I could get yeah. in trouble? Yeah. There was a point. Well, or did it just not even enter the equation? Yeah. There was a point where, well, at, at some point I remember having the thought like I'm in prison for selling drugs yeah. and I'm selling drugs yeah. in prison. Right. Like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what, what am I doing? You right. know what I mean? Like how, what is it? The change? Yeah. Like, but I, but then I found like that battle where like, I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I stopped caring. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I didn't, I didn't want to live. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I was struggling with like suicidal thoughts. Sure. So, you know what I mean? Like, so I remember I was smoking that K2 and I was in the RDAP program. Yeah. I'm in all, the residential. No, you're living program. in the dorm. Yeah. The dorm, and I was like. The D block. There was a, I think it was like two months where I just went on like a. Yeah. A K2 bench. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I was just like, I was like, screw it. I yeah. You're a mess. About, I didn't care about nothing. I was like, dude, whatever. And, and I remember I was on the, the, at the softball field, um, in the, in the dugout mm-hmm. and I had smoked some, you know, some K2 or whatever. And I was sitting there and. 
I like all of a sudden, like I felt my intestines like shaking on the inside of my stomach. Mm. And I saw oh, like a great white light behind me. Now, whether this great white light was a hallucination or it was real, I don't know, you mm. know, but at that time, I believe. All felt real. I It felt real. At that time, I believed God had sent an angel to be like, you know what, dude, I've given you so many opportunities. You're even <laughs> in prison and you're doing this like, that's it. It's over. Yeah. And then like, I went from like thinking that I wanted to die yeah. to thinking that I was about to die at that time. And yeah. I realized like, I don't want to die. I don't want to <laughs> You know die. what I mean? Like, yeah. so, then, so then that's where things really started turning. I'm like, all right, Lord, that I'm done. That was the conversion. Yeah, that was like the conversion. I'm like, all right, the I'm done. Out yeah. angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. That that experience was like because the, you did make a huge turn. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I I mean I know just because you know you you were only just a few bunks away from me, and uh, it was pretty dramatic how you just turned the switch. Yeah, I th- I would say God turned the switch. Well, I, yeah, I mean so, in the dugout. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it was funny because I didn't even realize I was addicted to that stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I didn't realize it, yeah. but like I was like a crackhead for yeah. a second there. Like, and I've never been think, like that on the street. I, I guess going back to, cause I, I asked that question. I really didn't think about why I asked that question that way, but I think maybe the reason why you were doing this stuff with K2 was that actually it turned out to be your strategy of how to handle hard yeah, oh, yeah. days, unfair yeah. things that were going on on the outside. You were, you were slipping down into yeah. I don't care. How can I relieve myself? How can I set yeah. myself free? And that's what the K2 did for you. It was, it was escape. Yeah. Escape. You know what I mean? I don't like when I'm sober, I'm thinking yeah. about things. Especially you might not want to think the about the most, the most, the thing that I was thinking about the most was like failure. Yeah. Past mistakes, things, yeah. things that you can't change. Right. right. I, I was thinking about things that I couldn't change over and over and over again to the point where, well, I wanted and to when die. you think about those things that are on the outside yeah. that are not what you want to have happen, yeah. you feel further and further away yeah. from that. And that yeah. feels deeper and deeper part of the depression part of it. Oh yeah. 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 All right. Well, I get it because that, that was because you know, People have all kinds of different strategies. You know, some people, like I was talking to Murph the other day, Murph, when he had hard days in prison, he'd cook because yeah. he was a good cook and he'd fry those honey buns or he'd do whatever. Yeah. But for you, you went to something that you knew you could escape with. Yeah. Even in prison, you could do it. Yeah. Yeah. But then all of a sudden you get a bolt of lightning hit you in the <laughs> dugout and you yeah. said, no, actually, I don't want to die today. I don't want to die tomorrow. I'm going to, I'm going to shake myself out of this. Yeah. 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 And I had, I had hope. Yeah. You know, that I could. And, and then there was just like, like God was just drawing me saying, look, you, you got to forget about this. I forgive you of those things. And there's hope. And like, yeah. you just the one thing you need to do is stop remembering that yeah. stuff that I've forgiven you for. And it was like, you're suffering the consequences for what you've done. And that's, you know, like, like part of like being in the consequences is like, you have to get over that hopelessness. Well, you got to okay, give yourself a break. I got to finish this out. Like, yeah, you it is give, what it is. Like, there's, you know what I'm saying? Well, you got to give yourself a break. I mean, you you have to finally say, whatever it is, I'm te- I'm I'm stepping forward. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm I'm going to step into whatever yeah. it is. Even if it scares me what I'm stepping yeah. into, I'm stepping forward. And, and hope, yeah. you know, is such a huge word yeah. for an inmate. Yeah. Because... I think that's the thing that one single thing that can get somebody through their time and they, they step into wherever they're going to, if they don't have that, then they go down the slippery slope of wherever that yeah. abyss is. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, that's hope. what depression is hopelessness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but hope, 
man. It was, I remember I started, so I started running. You know, I got in really good shape. Yeah. Day, and I was, you know, um, but anyway, so, so I start, but I remember like I started, so I'm, I started running at, at, on, on the, yeah. you know, the sidewalk. Yeah. And I remember like, this is right after. I remember cause I was walking. I started, <laughs> I started turning. Right. So, and I remember like, so when I, and I started to mention, like I had gotten addicted to that stuff. When I stopped doing that stuff, I didn't sleep for two weeks almost. Wow. I was having diarrhea. I didn't sleep or eat for like almost two weeks. Wow. Cause the, re- I didn't realize the reverse effect happened. Yeah. I didn't realize that. So that stuff must slow your metabolism and everything down so much that when mm. you stop, everything, everything goes, goes the back hyper up. opposite direction. Like, so I was sleepless. I'm, I'm not able to eat. I'm having diarrhea and stuff. Mm. So, and I had never like experienced, like, I don't know if it was withdrawals or, or what, but I'd never experienced that type of thing before. So mm-hmm. I experienced that. So then I start working out. I'm going to this, reading my Bible. You know, I was doing the word of the day every day. I'm like reading mm-hmm. scripture, doing quotes, just participating mm-hmm. in the program. I'm like, all right, I'm actually going to apply this stuff to my yeah. life. Even though I don't agree with the government and whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever, this stuff I can apply to my life and actually use it to mm-hmm. benefit my life. But I started, so I started running on the track. And I remember like when I first started running, I, I would look at the end, like, like we're at the half mile point. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, like, dude, I'm, I'm not going to make it there. You know what I mean? And, and, and God really just showed me like, look, just put your head down. Don't look at where you're going. You just run. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You just keep running. You just Mm -hmm. take one step at a time. Don't think about where you're going. Mm -hmm. Don't look at how far you've come, Mm -hmm. but just keep going. You know what I mean? So I really learned to like, all right, put my head down and just get to work. You know what I mean? Well, I think that's a real strategy in prison too. I think anytime you try to look too far ahead, uh, it's way overwhelming. You know, getting through, prison and i think just getting through really life you probably shouldn't look too far ahead you know deal with the day try to win the day try to take the next step forward and and then you know before you know it you've taken a lot of steps i think people get overwhelmed easily if they look way too far ahead and think oh my god that's too much i can't do it i can't that's i can't i can't i can't and then that's that's you got to back it up well especially when you're in prison yeah like who could imagine like who could how i would have never imagined in prison that if you would have told me you know, a year after you get out of prison, you'll be married and have a baby on the way. Yeah. I would have been like, yeah, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't see. Or if you would have said, um, I don't know, I got out in 2017, January. Yeah. So it's been yeah, almost five years now. Yeah. If you would have told me uh, in five years, you will actually have enough working capital to be flipping houses. Yeah. And you'll have freedom. Your wife won't have to work. You'll actually have two babies. And you've and been incredibly successful with this. I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, you you got out and you I mean, we're kind of jumping ahead here, but you got out and but you had skills. Yeah. You just applied all that into a business that you were gonna say, Hey, I'm all in this yeah. time and, and it it started happening. And now I mean, yeah, it has been five years, really. Yeah. November. Yeah. Well, or December. Well, the and but but prison was really a blessing for me because I don't know if I would have ever got out of that cycle yeah. of of chasing my tail, where robbing Peter to pay Paul, if I hadn't had that interruption. You yeah. know what I mean? So, and it also interrupted me because I was about to start getting more involved with drugs. To where if I hadn't gotten caught when I did, yeah. I probably would have had a yeah ten to 20 year prison. Sentence. Right. Cause you, you know would have gotten I mean? a lot deeper. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was about to get deeper. And I remember like, uh, but anyway, so that doesn't matter. Well, do you, I, you know, uh, cause you and I were lucky enough to get the jobs to work on Cause it's working at the golf course. It's kind of a funny thing to say that we worked on a golf yeah, course. While yeah. We were in prison. Yeah. 
Seven but I thought it was a great, I mean, to me, that was like a fantastic, it couldn't have been any better. You know, I learned how to do all this stuff that I would have never learned how to do, you know, drive all this equipment and, and, you know, do all the stuff that we got to do. Yeah. And you and I were doing that, I, but I was thinking, um, do you ever have anything from prison that you've kept that reminds you of prison? Um. But I mean, it, it, not really like an outward thing. Yeah. Um. But inwardly, you know, now with the with the children and the wife yeah. and the, and the craziness of life, like I have this inward thing where I I honestly sometimes feel like I miss prison crazy yeah. enough because of what do you miss? I miss the solitude. You know oh, what wow. I mean? That's <laughs> so deep. Is that crazy? Yeah, that's not? deep. Like, don't tell my wife this. I'm not going to let her listen to this. But I do sometimes miss the solitude. I miss that time mm. of, of being able to be alone and really focus. Um, on Correct. The only reason thing. I ask is I was thinking that the other day, somebody asked me about these uh, leather bands that I wear on my wrist. And if you remember magic made oh, those yeah, yeah. magic. Is uh, he still alive? I don't know. Okay. I don't know, but he, you know, he, he worked with us on the golf course yeah. and we called him magic cause he did like, uh, landscaping with flowers and stuff made everything look nice so but he also made these leather bands but I, that i didn't keep anything from the prison life but i did keep these yeah. but it was more of a connection that he did that and i liked him and it's it that's it does remind me yeah. of the gratitude of getting out of there and making a life after the fact but tell me about this so we're working uh, we basically got out at the same time. Yeah. What was your What were your thoughts going through your head when you were getting close to the door? Well, I was thinking I got to find Cassidy and marry one of his daughters. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. So, like, well, at least he'll let me marry one of his daughters. Of he understands because I'm thinking I can't get married, you know. But no, I'm just kidding. But I, I, uh, man, my thoughts going out the door were, I don't know. I have to whatever I've gained, I yeah. can't lose again. Right. I remember I was, I was. Because I got into working out, and I was the physical training aspect really got me through that last. And the you know studying God's mm-hmm. word, but He allowed. I, I spent a lot of time really focusing on. Did you have the plan? I mean, I'm, I'm just curious. Did you because you jumped into getting into making uh, basically a business for yourself again? Yeah. Did, was that your plan? Well, I think or that did... it was just what I knew. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And 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 yeah, I think that I knew that. I, I started working for a guy, and you know, I'm making twenty five bucks an hour, mm-hmm. and whatever, and um, and most people coming out of prison, you know, getting paid twenty five bucks an hour, you know, so yeah, I, no, that was I, good. I, I had a good skill set, you know. Yeah. What I mean, I was good at what I did. Yeah. You know, even though I did all these really crazy, foolish things, especially when I had that beard, and I was really you painted. Icy. You painted a lot of prison. Yeah, I painted. Too. I've made money on uh, that. Was my side yes, hustle painting, playing stamps? Yeah, paying, uh, paying, painting people's prison cells. Mm-hmm. That was fun, but. So I made. You don't probably put that on your resume. No, no, no. I don't even. I'm have really that. good at painting prison cells. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never sometimes even, with a couple of different colors. Yeah, yeah. I've never even done a resume. Really, I've <laughs> I've, I've worked for myself since 2003. You yeah. know what I mean? So, and, and even when I was working for that guy, you know. So I started working with him, and and I, and I was he he was like a millionaire that should have been a billionaire mm-hmm. because he did everything himself. And I'm like, mm-hmm. man, if you had a team, you could do so much more. And I was like, I offered him like, hey, I'll come you know, offer me a salary and a partnership here and I'll partner with you. Cause he had the money. Mm-hmm. I'll partner with you and we'll do whatever. And he was like, he offered me 52,000 a year and that paid vacations, whatever. Yeah. That was it. 
no no percentages anything and in, in anything and he was like and I was like really man like he's like I just don't think that you're gonna be you, you know successful basically yeah, you can't do it like you can't do it yeah. and I'm like okay you know what I mean so then I when I I stopped work as soon as they let me off of of paper I I quit working for him mm-hmm. and I started my own business but but in the back of my mind like I still had all my tools mm-hmm. you know when I'm coming home I, I well some of them gotten stolen whatever taken whatever I yeah. I got I collected what I had mm-hmm. I still had stuff. I was, you know, just focused. I, I was taking, saving money. I was mm-hmm. just reinvesting all the money I was making with that guy. I was buying tools, whatever, just reinvesting into construction. Mm-hmm. Get it? Got another work van. Did, How long you know, were you at the Dismas house, the halfway house? Uh, I mean, I had six months there, but I was only there probably a couple months before I yeah, leveled up. What I was, you know what I mean? And yeah. I took bed bugs back to my mom's house. That yeah, was a nightmare. Terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. So they finally closed the place down. I saw that. Thank the, you, Jesus. That was in the news the other day. Really? Yeah. They, oh. they lost their $45 million contract and went to um, someone else. Really? After all that time. Yeah. Wow. Terrible place. I don't know. Terrible people running the place. Yeah, yeah. That was, I was like, man, what is this? <laughs> I'm like, did I just get this many mosquito bites or yeah, what? Yeah, it's then, infested. No, it was bed bugs. It cost my parents like $3,500 to get their house that right. That's crazy. So, but, um, but anyways. Well, so. tell, tell me this because you, you you talk about, you know, that you you got married, you had a couple of kids, and you've got, uh, this is prison, you know, out, out of prison. Yeah. How did all that happen? So... <laughs> I mean, you know, that, so, we're talking so, about five years. Yeah, so I was so I got was, a business, yeah. got a wife, got two kids. Yeah, yeah. Bring me in. What's going on? So I think I probably did exactly the same amount of time as you did because you had yeah. a five year sentence. Yeah. So we did the same yeah. same sentence. You know, pretty much. Mine was deserved. Yours was undeserved. Well, you know what I mean? But but that was you know the the flip side of things. But so I so so I get home. I'm working out in the gym. I'm in great shape. Yeah. You know, like six eight pack. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so. And I'm in really good shape, and I'm realizing, like, as whenever I had my time, I think it was, like, I, w- I was working in St. Charles, so I was focusing my time on working for that guy, and then I would make it to the gym and work out. And as I was there, I was, like, these girls and stuff. I'm, like, oh, mm-hmm. man. And I'm, I'm praying. I'm, like, Lord, like, I can't. If I end up with one of these girls <laughs> at this gym, I'm going to end up in the same place. I, I knew that I had to find. Well, I mean, Eric, if you can't see him, he is a good-looking guy, so he could probably get into a big mess right, with right. girls at the gym. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, like, I knew that this was just another path of destruction uh-huh. for me. You know, like like the ungodly woman or just me womanizing or doing this thing. And I was – it's funny because I was in a position where – even though I had been able to do that in my past just with my looks, and I had worked out a little bit yeah. in my life, but now I'm like... Yeah, you're prison ripped. I'm prison ripped and a good-looking yeah. dude. Like, I could have slaughtered How do you go it. back to your high school weight go to prison? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. I would have I'd been like Will Chamberlain yeah. or something, you know, but so so it was um, so it was a battle, and, I, and I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, like, you know, take this burn away, you know, like this burn for this lustful burn, mm-hmm. you know? So like I, I'm in trouble because mm-hmm. I'm going to end up with, mm-hmm. with two or one, three. Yeah. yeah. A few of these girls. Yeah. So, um, and I'm praying and I'm like, you know, Lord take this away. And, and I was going to my friend's house. He was a lawyer. He was one of my friends that I, you know, had stayed in contact yeah. with. And he was a, he was a good guy. I had met him like when I was 22 and I first turned to, yeah. to God, I, I was on house arrest. I met him at a Bible study. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, and, and he kind of discipled me and, and he, so he stayed a good friend. And so I was going to his house. He was living at his, his mother-in-law's cause something had happened with his law job where he was going through a bad season. And, 
And so I was going to their house for dinner on Thursday nights, and he would drop me back off at Dismas' house. And his wife, they had three kids, and, and his wife was like, I'm going there. And this is around March. And his wife, so I'd only been out two and a half months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and his wife was, uh, was like, hey, I, I met this girl at, at the winery, and I told her about you, and she really wants to meet you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Really? She's like, yeah, I told her everything about you. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, like, so you met this girl, you told her everything about me and she still wants to meet me. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, I don't want to meet her. You know what I mean? Like, why would I, why would I want to meet this psycho? You know what I mean? Like, so, so she was, you know, she's my age and no kids or anything. And, and, you know, she's a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm like, and then, and then I'm praying about it. And I, I told her like, I don't, I don't want to meet her. Yeah. You know, and then I was praying about it, and, and I felt like the Lord was just like, look, no, this is... You thought you didn't want to meet her because she knew your whole story and still wanted to meet you? Yeah, I was like, she's either fat or crazy. You know what I mean? So, like, so like that was my mentality. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so I was like, no. And so I was praying about it. I'm like, and then I felt like the Lord was like, no, you've been asking about this burn. You yeah. know what I mean? And you need a godly woman in your life. And yeah. so I, so I fasted, and I called her, and... I, when I called her, we talked on the phone for an hour and a half. And I knew after I got off the phone with her that I was going to marry, marry her. You're going to marry her. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. So then I even wrote in this journal. Uh, I met her on April Fool's Day. and for, So April 1st. And on March 31st, I had written in a journal like, thank you, God, for my wife. I just I just knew. Wow. You know what I mean? And then we went out on a date. and Was it a fast romance to marriage? Yeah. Well, because I was like at that point where I was determined. I'm like, I'm not I having. I need to get going. We're, we're not having sex before marriage. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm getting all my ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. So in or, the only way to do that is to get married fast. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we got yeah. married five months later. You know what I yeah. mean? So, um, and it, it was difficult because we're still getting to know each other. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, but, you know, so there's, you know, the pros and cons of, of, of long-term engagements, whatever. But it, at the end of the day, you're going to have to work it out with somebody no matter what. You know exactly. what I mean? Good. I don't care if you're with no, them five years. You know good what point. I mean? You're going to have to work it out. So so we got married and, you know, we weren't perfect, you know, like, but we did, we didn't have sex. You know what I'm saying? So, but, um, and that was just a cool thing, like to be able to say that, you know, like, you know, just, just from a different aspect. And what was know? her, what was her uh, take on your background history? Obviously she was very accepting. Yeah, well, her dad was in ministry. Yeah. Uh, at the, I never got to meet him. Well, I met him, but he was not mentally. Mm-hmm. He was incapacitated. So, um, so he was in ministry. So he had done like a homeless ministry and stuff. So she was, and they were like not the richest Somewhat people. Connected so she it. was raised in ministry. So she was just more open to yeah. this what Jesus is capable of doing with an idiot. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> she was just, she had faith in Jesus and she saw that I had faith in yeah. Jesus and she knew what Jesus could do. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So like, so, so she, you know, like, and, and it's funny because she even now she's like, man, you've, you've changed a lot. Just yeah. even because you know how it is when you come home from prison, you're all about like respecting my stuff and yeah. whatever, like, hey, like yeah. don't touch my stuff. And no. Like, and I don't, don't you think it takes a little while just to get back to adjusted that you are who you want to be when you get out. Cause it's, yeah. you have to get your mind unscrambled. Well, and you have to realize that like, what you can apply in there yeah. and ex- in your expectation of others in there. Yeah. You can't have the same expectations no. of people it's, in real life because real people in real life don't have the time or the means to, to be able to live the proper etiquette. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or they don't have the knowledge. Yeah. They don't a lot. The mo- one of the best things I gained from prison was learn. I learned, 
how to respect people. Yeah, respect is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, respect is one of the only things that, that you have that keeps the place sane. Yeah. You know, otherwise it could be totally out of control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Respect was is a good thing to, to mm-hmm. learn. And it if only we could learn that more. So Eric, you, you ended up you got married. You you got your your business going and you, I know just because you and I stay in touch you, you know you got a house and you, you got it renovated you did good on it you got another house and you've just been doing that yeah. uh, I mean I can't even get you to do anything else I mean I had a <laughs> job for you would have been hell no I can't do that I only do my own stuff now <laughs> but that's great I I'm love sorry, it I'm no sorry. and I'm, I'm proud of I'm yeah. so proud of that that when you uh thinking about having kids what I mean, now you have two. Well, honestly, I wasn't thinking about it. You just happened. Well, to be honest, I was really something. There's a whole book on that. Like my wife, when I got married to her, like I secretly kind of hoped that she wasn't able to get pregnant because all of her sisters were not able to get pregnant naturally. And they had to do in vitro. And one of the things that I made her agree to before we got married was, hey, I do not feel comfortable doing in vitro or whatever. Like, look, I don't want to force it. You know, let's do it naturally. Like if I, if we force the pregnancy and the kid ends up being uh, the antichrist or some killer, maybe there's a reason why we're not supposed to have kids. Like I don't want to force it. So, so she agreed to that. So in my mind, I'm thinking according to what her sister's experienced, she wouldn't be able to get pregnant, but she got, she got pregnant. Yeah. So, and again, yeah, twice. And actually she got pregnant again. Uh, and, but she did have a miscarriage. Okay. Um, so, and that was just within the last couple of weeks. Okay. But, uh, but you know, Hey, that's, that's, yeah, life, no, you know? it's part of the, it's part of the whole thing. And it's, but kids are great. Oh man. They're so awesome. Let me ask you this. Being out now, I mean, you and I've been out about the same time. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think you appreciate the most about being out of prison now? Man, I think I appreciate the most being out of prison is, is being able to have gained so much from that prison experience but to be able to put it behind me mm-hmm. and forget about it. You know what I mean? Like to Almost for, like you accomplished it, conquered it, yeah. and, and have been able to use that confidence that you can do that yeah. and conquer that so that everything that you go now, it can never be as bad as that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like now it's like, like my wife had a miscarriage. It's like, yeah. oh, well. You know what I mean? Like yeah. to, to be able to say it is what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like that that is what. You remember Rauschelbach said that as word of the day or phrase of the day, and we had to write forever because they didn't, <laughs> they didn't like that phrase. But it is what it is. Like it is I, what it is. You know, so I, I love that. That's what I've, I've gained from it. But, but coming back, I just, I think that, it, that it's just a, the experience, man. And, and to, be able to, to be able to be humble mm-hmm. and to be able to see people and be real with people and not, not judge anybody ever again, yeah. not ever think that I could understand how someone could end up in the circumstances they're in, no matter what the case, we, d- we don't really ever really know the no, backstory. And and I so agree with you that the humble part of going into prison or being in prison mm-hmm. and having that experience of being a, an inmate does humble you yeah. in a way that you've never really been humbled. And, yeah. and I think that also stays with you too, because you have gratitude now that you're not in that situation. So right. it's, it's, it's a, a strange dynamic that I think only, you know, as you experience that, you feel it. But I, I to, to wrap things up, if, if I haven't asked you, but what's, um, what would you want to say to the people listening that maybe I haven't asked you? 
Man, what would I want to say? Um, the th- I mean, the thing that people need to understand the most is that, you know, we're human mm-hmm. and, and we make mistakes. Make mistakes. And, <laughs> and if you're going to succeed, you're going to fail. Yeah. And failure is, is part of the path to success. And it's, it's not even about, you just have, you can't let that affect you. Yeah. You know, you have to take failure and roll with it and just keep pursuing your dreams and, and what it is that you, whatever is in your heart to accomplish, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and really figure out like, really what's your purpose in life? Like for me, for me, this physical thing is, is so short. It's like, to me, you have to have an eternal mindset, you know, for me, because for me, a guy like me, it's like, I can see no matter what I accomplish on this earth, it's still temporary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and like, I could, I could do all these great things and then die. And then like, what's the point? You know what I mean? So for me personally, it's like, you got to have an eternal mindset. Like, and the hope that God gives us through Jesus is in the resurrection from the dead. Like to me, that's like, if I didn't have that, I don't think yeah. I would be a good person. You know well, what I, I'm saying? I, and I think what you said too, is it's so important to always think, you know, that, that first of all, good people can make mistakes. Um, and that failures happen when you're trying to succeed. Yeah. And, you know, that's, you can't be afraid. Or let me say this. You can be afraid of it. You still have to step in. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. The fear. There is fear. Yeah. There's always going to be fear. And yeah. that's part of the whole nightmare success thing. You know, yeah. uh, you you step through your nightmares and your fears to get where you want to be. Yeah. And I think that is um, whatever motivates you, whatever yeah. gets your fuel in your tank is whatever you've got to use to to step into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The fear. Well, and for a guy like me, fear was never really a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I had a lack of fear. You know what yeah. I mean? So, but to have, for a guy like you to have the, to have, to, to be in the position you were in and, and to, to actually have created a successful system. And, but so fear for me and you is like a little bit different. Fear for me now is like fear of letting things fall away again. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Fear of not being a, good father or a husband or whatever, like all the things, everyday fears. Yeah. Everyday fears. Like I gotta, I gotta hold on to this stuff and not make the fear of not making the same mistakes, you know? So whereas for you, it's like, you didn't really, what did you do wrong? You know what I mean? Well, no, I mean, I've done things wrong. So (laughs) I mean, and and I think everybody has their own fears. It's just how, you know, how do you, how do you handle those fears? And it's, that's what makes the difference. Amen. All right, folks, Eric Ross, thank you so much for being here today. This is fun. Um, yeah. And everybody, I uh, really appreciate the, uh, the listens and the likes. And, uh, and if you got something you want to buy for Christmas, hey, Nightmare Success book is out. It's easy. Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Go out and get yourself a copy. Everybody, Nightmare Success in and out. Thanks for being here today.